We're sorry. All of our representatives are still assisting other customers. Please remain on the line as we value your call. Welcome back to a new episode of the Voice Message. Today, uh, I'll be interviewing my favorite psychotherapist and sex researcher, uh, Dr. Kiani Nakai. Uh, hey, Doc, how are you? Hello, how are you? Uh, all right, Doc, for the people that don't know who you are and what you do, can you just give them a little insight into that? Hello, again, my name is Dr. Kiani Nakai, and <clears throat> I'm a psychotherapist and a psychologist and I guess right now I work um, providing telemental health services to anyone who is struggling with a, a range of things. Um, so like the typical mental health stuff, depression, anxiety, life changes, pandemic, mm. <laughs> political shifts, you know, all the things that cause us, you know, daily stress um, nowadays, BLM, all that. Um, I also have a, a keen interest in researching um human sexuality and I also like I also enjoy learning a little bit more about that and providing a space for people to be able to talk about um, sexual related concerns or gender related concerns um, within therapy too hmm. so all right um, for the people that don't know can you break down the difference between a psychologist a psychiatrist and a psychotherapist Okay. A psychotherapist usually has a master's degree in mental health counseling, and they're licensed in at least one state. And they will provide what, what we all know is kind of like talk therapy, which is sit on my couch and, you know, tell me about your day kind of thing or what's going on or what's troubling you or tell me about your childhood, that, that those things. So that's what a psychotherapist does. A psychologist is uh, trained at the doctoral level and they could either be, let's say, a professor, they could, um, or, or they could do research or two of those things, or they could work for, let's say, like, um, uh, sometimes you have psychologists who also do like, Consulting? Uh, they do. Can they can do consulting with businesses? Um, they can do things called like. Can you hear that in the background? Yeah, that's fine. Don't no. worry about it. Okay. Um, they also do things like like, um, like occupational kind of like career kind of stuff. It's industrial psychology. That's what it's called. Um, so yeah, there's that kind of that was, that was really tangential. So yes, that stuff. And then <laughs> so basically. Psychotherapists have a master's degree. They do talk therapy. Psychologists have a doctoral degree. They can or cannot do talk therapy, depending on how they are trained and what they want to do. And then you have um, psychiatrists who go to medical school, and they are going to give you the script. They're going to provide the Lexapro and the Seroquel, whatever um, you couple's, want. To couple zannies in there. <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> yeah, yeah, any kind of like yeah, 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 all the mental health kind of meditation and make you feel good okay yeah. you know get rid of your voices kind of thing to decrease them kind of stuff <laughs> all right gotcha <laughs> just wanted to get that out of the way because a lot of people don't know the separation between each three <clears throat> um yeah. you talked about the pandemic what was that like for you in terms of should i say business oh 
Oh my gosh. So um, right now I work for a company called Ginger.io and I do a little, but yeah, so I work primarily for Ginger and what they do is that they have large corporations as their clients, your Delta Airlines, your Sephora, um, BuzzFeed, stuff like that. And so they will provide telemental health services for the people that work in those spaces. And before the pandemic or in the beginning, I was kind of getting clients like, you know, here and there. And I was like, you know what I need to do? And so they, what I need to do to get more clients? They were like, oh, you know, we can help you with licensure in different states. You can have, you know, whatever. And then when the pandemic hit, it just exploded. Like my schedule is always full. And there's even states like, like I'm licensed in the state of Georgia and the state of Washington. And um, New York has relaxed its licensure requirements temporarily, I suppose, so that the, their, 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 their people could, can get mental health care from providers that are in any of the other states because that's how significant the need is. And then on top of that, you now have more companies prioritizing mental health, whereas before maybe they had a, a decent... Uh, like, um, like healthcare offering for yeah. their 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 uh, workers, but now they're like making sure they also are covering the mental health part, and so like they it, it's just and that's really nice that they are um, thinking about that also as a part of healthcare and really making sure that they kind of take care of people because everyone is like losing their shit right now. Yeah, I, like um, even yeah. on socials, whatever platform you're on, you see the constant advertisement like you'll see for like better help and other other versions of just you know tele telemental health services get you to a counselor and I, I remember from roughly March to about June it went from maybe seeing one ad to it mm-hmm. constantly being everywhere everywhere you couldn't escape it so um where a lot of similarities in the things that people we're seeing you from, you know, with regard to HIPAA and, and things you can't disclose. And like in terms yeah. of the issues, were there a lot of similarities? Um, there were there were some themes that came out during the during all of this. So one is you have a social justice um, BLM theme. Mm-hmm. So I had black clients, and and also one thing that was nice about my job is that they said. They gave out a survey, I suppose, to all of the therapists and coaches, and they said, if you want to fill this out and you want to disclose your race or ethnicity or religion or sexual orientation so that we can better match you with clients who are specific about who they want to see mm-hmm. during this time, let us know. And so I filled that out. And then so, like, I got... A, a lot of people who are black, but I also got a lot of people who were like, like just basically all the range of POCs that you can think about, think of who are just like, what is, what is going on? Like, and, and, and starting to think about how they experienced race over time from childhood, going back old stuff and then thinking about their workplaces and how their workplace is maybe not 
maybe a bit toxic. Mm. Some of them are thinking about leaving their jobs because of the way social justice issues are not addressed there, or there are like massive issues with um, diversity and leadership, yeah. like all these things that people kind of just like dealt with before, where they were like trying to be advocates in their own way in their daily lives. And so um, there's that. Yeah, you touched on a lot of good things, and I, that's sort of where I was leading the conversation. Two parts. Um, the second part is mm-hmm. about more or less the lack of human connection. I'll get to that. But first, yeah. um, with these with these issues at work, specifically for black and brown people, um, yeah. at any time, did anyone ever bring up code switching as um, sort of like something that played a part into, into um, their issues dealing in work day to day? And what I mean to clarify it, meaning... Um, this is a way where someone can't retain their own identity in their, in their workplace. So at any time, were there ever any issues with people feeling like in addition to looking and being different, the fact that they couldn't express themselves in a, in a natural way in a, in their work setting, did that affect their ability to cope or do their job? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, rem- I know that you have some people that were unsure how to advocate for themselves at work in terms of not even social justice issues, but I'm being overworked. They're mm-hmm. piling too much work on me. I'm tired. I haven't taken a break. They call me when I'm on vacation. Like all of those kind of healthy boundary setting that you boundary setting that you would do within a career, like they just felt really frazzled because they didn't want to come across as angry or ungrateful or difficult because they weren't doing the 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 quote unquote kind of like valley girl bounce thing right because that is not and this is these are mainly women who came to me with these issues and this is like a range of women who came to me with these issues um range of different backgrounds and they were like it's not within my culture to do this like hyper happy thing right um and and I, I, I'm, I still do my job. I want to be respected for what I do. But as far as like culture fit, like. Yeah, it comes with. It comes so, with so it, okay, that is what you saying? Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely talked about the stress of that. And so they would end up freezing. So, mm-hmm. you know, people have that flight, uh, fight or flight thing. Then you have the freeze where you just don't know what to do when you're just really frustrated and you don't know how to address this situation. Right. So, it is the yeah. stigma that comes with how you look, right? Or you, your cultural yeah. cultural standpoint, Way. right? Yeah. Like um if you yeah. if you're assertive or if you just willing to stand up for yourself, you're difficult. You know? Yes. Um or yes. if you're verbose then it's like um you're loud, you know. And mm-hmm. I find mm-hmm. that I find it funny that um there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lip service when it comes to diversity because it's mm-hmm. the it's the hot topic sort of like self care right but mm-hmm. um, diversity conversations are really what they're saying we're willing to have diversity conversations versus let's understand the the difference both both uh, in terms of gender culture and and you know put that all in that pot and have it. And understanding so we can have these um, we can have these inclusive environments and inclusive talks and be more productive and um, more or less 
work with one another. Like I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't feel threatened because you aren't like, because you're assertive or you're not walking around bubbly, something like that. And I could see how that plays a big part in, um, in people for more or less losing their shit or feeling away. Right. Yeah. Um, and you brought up fight or flight and this is the second half where I was talking about human connection, right? Cause I know that played a big part during the pandemic. People couldn't see their loved ones or, um, you know, be at brunch with their girls or whatever. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um are you familiar mm-hmm. with the, with the study on mirror neurons? No, I'm not. Okay. So I, I forgot when it was, I'm, it was decade plus ago, but, um, they came across this, uh, well, I guess at the time it was a phenomenon. It's called mirror neurons. There was, uh, there were some monkeys in a lab and they were studying how your neurons fire, how they react, everything. And so to make it simple, let's say you're sitting down, right? Then your neurons are dormant, right? Um, now let's say you grab the remote, right? Your neurons mm-hmm. fire, but let's say you see someone grab a remote, your neurons will fire because your nervous system mirrors the acts that someone else does, especially if it's something that's familiar with, right? Okay. So that makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not trying to mansplain you, by the way. All right. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to throw it in there. Anyway, um, so this came down to the big thing about how at a biochemical level we are connected in ways that we don't and the lack of having that the lack of having that um tends to do us more harm than good right that plays a part in also um these work environments right because you are if you're in a work environment that isn't inclusive or considerate to how you move or whatever you tend to not only are you fighting with the lack of um, being yourself or being free, right? You also mm-hmm. mirror the environment without you even realizing it. So if you have a shitty boss, you're, you at a nervous system, biochemical level are reacting to this. And that's adding to your stress, a.k.a. your fight or flight. So your body's always in a constant state of stress, even when you aren't aware of it because of your surroundings. Um, okay. I, I I want to stop you and put something out, out there that I think a lot of people may not realize the workplace can be not just toxic, but traumatic. Absolutely. You can have PTSD outside of just, you know, war or, you know, abuse. You can have PTSD from these kind of like a lot of like, I feel like I feel like in a lot of work environments there can be bullying, there can be you know verbal abuse, there can be um, purposeful like isolation, um, and like you talked about also not uh, not seeing everyone's contributions as significant, mm. regardless of how how they how hard they try or the quality of work that they provide um, because they because they look how they look or they they are of a certain religion or sexual orientation, that kind of thing. Right. So yeah, work work can be traumatic. That's actually where I was going with it. Like, you know, have you come across instances where people just can't pinpoint why, 
you know, they have this issue with their workplace or why it's causing them so much harm, you know, because they don't have anything concrete that they can see, but um, not realizing that the environment in itself, this is to me what a toxic environment is, something that isn't conducive or welcoming to you and how you actually are receiving all the backlash, all the all the fuckery that goes on in the office, right? right from your, from right. from everyone in your um, everyone in your uh, leadership roles, right? And how that yes. just continuously piles on you. But since they don't have anything that they can put a finger on, it takes them somewhere, right? And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. has any have you ever come across issues like that? I've come across issues where someone will say to me every time I try to go into work I sit in my car for 20 minutes and I cry or I'm trembling or I'm really tense or I have trouble breathing um I'm on edge all of those things and they're just like I don't know what is wrong with me I've never had this before and this could and it's it's definitely been, again, exacerbated by the pandemic. So there are people who are coming in with anxiety that maybe never had that as a symptom that they've ever ever experienced before. So, yeah, I have had those kinds of situations. Okay. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, you do, you, you dabble in sex. Let me not say dabble. <laughs> Let me not say dabble. Um, so you have a background in sex research. What led you down that rabbit hole? Yes, a little bit. Ah, uh, Lil Kim and Shaka Khan. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you have to explain. You have to explain. all day. You have to explain that. <laughs> um. All right. So, Shaka Khan. There, there is this picture of her. I think it's either an album cover or like some sort of single cover or something like that. When I find it, I have to send it to you. But you know how the 70s were the 70s were the 70s. Yeah. You know, the hot pants and the yeah. hot pants meant, you know, like my grandmother told me, she's like, you know, we had these hot pants. I'm like, okay, okay. She's like, no, but your, your booty is sticking out the bottom of the hot pants. Like, that's that's how we did things. You know, like, they still had their, like, you know, high-waisted shirts and shorts and then the crop tops and but yo they was they were wilding but like i think (laughs) so uh, uh, basically there's there's that those images of these very like um of the of the presence of 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 femininity in that kind of very culturally specific way okay and it wasn't yeah so there's that for shaka um and Shaka was very brazen about like saying the things that she wanted. Okay. Right. When you listen to like her lyrics and then the way that like the voice comes out and the way they also, you know, putting that with the image, the visual and yeah, it's just, you know, this is what I want. And I feel like a lot of people um, pair that with like a modern hip hop kind of thing where the women are really blatant and very like, you know, almost like uh, this kind of, uh, they're trying to get back at men yeah. thing, but that has existed before hip hop. That existed, you know, as part of culture, like many, many moons ago. Yeah, it's been passed down. And then Kim, I remember when I was 
The poster that you <laughs> like Brooklyn. to talk about the poster? <laughs> yes! <laughs> but yes, that poster, that first post of Little Kim, the first yeah. time that you saw yeah. who this woman was before you saw music video. You didn't even know. Like, yeah, you didn't hear her voice. I tried to steal that poster from every place I saw it, man. I couldn't get it. I, I, I remember, I'll tell you when I, when I first started seeing that poster. I saw it when, so my grandmother moved from Brooklyn to... Um, Health Kitchen, hmm. and this is at the time when Health Kitchen was trans transitioning over from the triple X rated theater to the yeah, yeah. craziness, yeah. right? To what is now like the Disney, you know, like uh, whatever, whatever you want to call that place now. Yeah. And so she literally lives like she yeah, so she's yeah, literally lives on Forty Third Street, right? And so. So once you're transitioning to this new home, this new place to this new whatever, I was, I'd never really been around there because I was young. There was no reason I was supposed to be around Times Square, like 11 years yeah. old, 12 years old, no reason. And so I, so I came up and she just said, okay, you know, come to the new place. So I, you know, came and I'm looking around like, what is it? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> and then a block from her house, yeah. I saw this poster of this woman. Legs out, you know, arms stretched out with the print straight. Yes, yes, and looking straight into the camera. What's up? And she was tiny. I was like, What is happening? So, I think, and then you know, like her album dropped, and she was just, she was just everything. Okay, she was just everything. So, yeah, like I think women like that, women advocating for, um for whatever it is that they wanted and not being ash ashamed about that or that's something to be ashamed of. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really what started okay. my interest in like wanting to learn more about how different people experience sex and, and, and sexuality. All right. And how's that been from the start of the journey to where you're at now? Um, <clears throat> well, I think... Let's see. I think from 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 that time, a lot of the information that I received or understood about sex either came from friends' experiences and what they kind of pass on to you. And because I wasn't, it wasn't really discussed in my home because I think it was just like they were so afraid that they just didn't want me to get pregnant. Good. Like, you know, when, you know, so I didn't get any information. And I was, and I kind of said, as I got older, I was like, I wish I would have told me something, but I didn't know anything about anything. And so, um, I was, I, 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 I would, I would ask friends questions, but then I would go on to like, like, like I learned about like Planned Parenthood through one of my really close friends. And, um, I would go, I, I work, I, I really love libraries, always have. And I actually worked in a library after school. And so I would like go look at the books and I would read them and I would try to find out, you know, like get like adequate because there was no internet really, really at that time yeah. to go and, you know, yeah, get misinformation. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so that's that's where it started. And then I feel like I also got information about sex through music again. Right. Um, that is like like the newspaper black folks is 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 the lyrics <clears throat> and what's happening every decade. But like now, um, I, I, I it's now like very academic. You know, it's about these um, uh, these these 
studies, these surveys that are put out, these entire, you know, encyclopedia of human sexuality, international encyclopedia of human sexuality, and it as a study, and to be able to kind of present that to people and talk to people about it in a way that's very, a little bit more respected, but I also still love like intertwining this pass down informal knowledge and way and power yeah. and 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 putting that also with like this kind of like academic standpoint and hmm. way of doing things too because you because they both have they are both valid right is that mm. was that your approach when you taught when i taught yeah was that like your approach and how to like <laughs> deliver information to the kids when i say kids okay. i mean it, it's these are adults but i mean you know Yes, um, I I always want to like look at what's like who who are my students and what's also happening um, in a way that they could relate to. So um, when I when I taught I taught at the American University in Cairo, right? I couldn't necessarily bring this you know Shaka Khan and little Kim with me right. to be able to say okay <laughs> they're like I'm not certain enough if if like my points would have landed in that way, right? But I did go to the library on campus and I found this, this section that was on human sexuality. I found out more about how they learn um, about things. I found out a little bit more about like, you know, Christianity in the region and Islam in the region. And then also um, this idea about um, queerness and where that's come from and was this this a European influence and did it exist prior to and so there was this I remember there was this book in the human sexuality section of the library that was specifically about um, human sexuality and um, same-sex relationships existing in the Middle East pre-European context hmm. and I remember telling my students here's a section in the library here's where the book is yeah I might want to go and check that out so that you can get more information so I try to like it just depends on who my audience is how I share the information gotcha Um, going (laughs) going back to um, you know your mental health practice um, is there a stigma is there a stigma in the black community versus any other when it comes to seeking out mental health that you've come across and meaning to clarify, uh, like some people are more hesitant to come to you where others would be like, they're more than happy to sit down and bend your ear. I, I, I think black people are especially vigilant about the kind of therapist that they see. Okay. Right. So they're not just going to see anybody. I think they're willing to, yeah, I think they're willing to go if they know that that person, if they know that they can probably see another black person, you can put it like that. Okay. Um, and if, and, and if that person could be specifically from their culture or maybe from their religious background, that's like even better. And then they can like, cause sometimes they'll come in and they're like, oh, all right, we can talk now. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and 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 I try to make them feel comfortable too because I like I I try if you want to cuss you can cuss if you want to um you know say things 
may sometimes not be politically correct because you because you're just trying to get a point across you can do that um whatever like and then i tr- i try to be as informal as possible so that they can be comfortable so we can just do the exchange right i, I literally say them, what's up what you want to talk about today what's going on and then they're like all right yeah they just go 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 because a lot of people is foreign the the whole experience is foreign to them yeah so um Mm -hmm. i know like my very first time in the therapy it was someone that didn't look like me and it was just kind of like i was going through the motions at that point it wasn't that i was gonna i already told myself i needed it so i was gonna seek it out but um i gave it the you know benefit of the doubt and realizing me and this person had nothing in common so half of the shit that I need to get off my chest is going to be bottled up. I can't come mm-hmm. back here. So once I got someone, you know, someone familiar, right. And talking mm-hmm. to them, it was like, same, same thing. Okay. I can let, I can get all this shit off and, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll, you know what I'm, you know, where it's coming from. Uh, you have a better understanding of me culturally. And a lot of people have a hard time hearing that. Um, my opinion. Uh, a lot of people have a hard time hearing that they prefer someone that looks like them, someone from their community. But that is part of breaking down that stigma, being comfortable with the person that you're speaking with because you have shared experience, cultural relevance, uh, mm-hmm. shit like that. Like, I think the fact that you come in and say, what's going on when they come in, you know, they like, oh, OK, I'm with this shit. Like, I can be me. Mm-hmm. I can be me because mm-hmm. you, you know, you face a world where. A lot of the time, you 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 know boxing up that part of you, and because you because it's not quote unquote acceptable. I, I yes, absolutely. And I just want to pr- put a reminder out there that if there's anyone that is looking into therapy, it is perfectly acceptable to ask for the kind of therapist that you want. If you want a, a woman, if you want someone who specializes in eating disorders, you want someone who specializes in LGBTQ plus issues or concerns, you can, you can ask for all of those things. Um, we're used to that. Even though society may not be used to, to people being honest about that, we are used to that because we know that that's, that's important. Um, and one way to find that actually if you're looking for a therapist, is to go to psychologytoday.com. That's where like a lot of therapists are listed. And on the top, it says find a therapist. And all the therapists, for the most part, have um, pictures. Right. And you can even check if you want African-American, you know, Latinx, you know, whatever. Whatever you're looking for, you can check that. And then you can and then you put in your zip code and they can give you your list. Hmm. So. Yeah, you don't have to just be stuck. <laughs> doc, you don't have to just be stuck with whoever. Yeah, doc, doc letting off on y'all, man. No more excuses, yeah. man. Get out yeah. there, talk to someone. You know, get some help if you need some help. Um, yeah. For the, I wanna, I wanna go into the, um, go deeper into this sex conversation, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you have enough time. Sure. Oh, okay. What's going on? So, I know earlier I asked you about what's that journey been like, but I think more specifically, I'm saying was was what you thought it would be and what it actually has become for you. Um, was that the same thing, or you know, it it opened up a new door? Mm-mm-mm. 
it, it hasn't become what I wanted it to be just what I wanted just yet. Okay. Um, and mainly because I had to figure out how I wanted to do things professionally and what, what I, how much time I wanted to spend on one thing versus the other. And so, um, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm just reconfiguring some things now. Um, but I'm definitely always like leaving space for sex research because I really love it so much. One thing that I did notice over time that I think has encouraged me to continue down this path is that there isn't a lot of research on people of African descent related to human sexuality that's actually done by people of African descent. And then on top of that, like a lot of this, the human sexuality research that, you know, involves this group is primarily focused on childbirth and uh, STDs. Hmm. And so when I want to look at um, people, yeah, when I want to find out more about people's views of, um, non-monogamous relationships. There isn't a lot of black people represented in that. But I want to find out uh, the way that people experience pleasure. There isn't a lot of information on that. And you see, these are basic things about sex, basic things about relationships. So, um, and again, sometimes when you have someone who's white and they're doing, which is for the most part, you know, where you have the, 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 these researchers, um, that's the background that is dominant there. When you have them doing research on black people, some of the stuff may be right. And then there's, there's always like this piece that's like missing Hmm. because, you know, there's, there's maybe a lack of understanding about certain cultural concepts that are not written down. They're more like passed down through, words and right. stories and songs and behaviors, but not necessarily in a book. So they, they, it's, they can, sometimes it misses the mark and it misses the mark for other groups too. So sometimes I feel like it's really, it, it's, it's nice that you're interested in researching a range of groups, but I just wish that there was, there were more, more, more uh, human sexuality researchers of color that could provide an, an even more in-depth perspective about the group, their own group. Yeah. yeah. I, I have, um, <clears throat> I have these books. I have like all these different books. Um, I got one on like the history of sex, right. Around the world mm-hmm. is what it says. Right. But mm-hmm. no one in there is black. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, it has a lot of in-depth information, but this is also speaking of what you're saying, like the information that is out there for the general masses is usually just one size fits all. Like it doesn't take mm-hmm. into consideration regional, um, different mm-hmm. parts of the world. The, the cultures, mm-hmm. right? Because between mm-hmm. two tribes, you can have like eight different ways of of displaying intimacy, right? So um, mm-hmm. like even there's like that, books on masturbation, books on just general human, um, human dynamics, like how men and women interact with one another um, or, or the mm-hmm. same way and they study animals mating habits, right? They've studied humans mating habits, but it only speaks from one very eurocentric point of view right so it's like Mm -hmm. um so the reason why i bring this up because very much like you're saying the information out there is just cookie cutter but you either end up conforming to the information 
or mm-hmm. stumbling on something that relates to you. Not enough of it, but just a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So either that's the thing that sparks it and sends you down this path of research or, you know, you end up, you know, trying to fit a mold that isn't necessarily you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then also not only trying to fit a mold that isn't you, but then also looking at the way that you understood sex and relationships as being deviant or wrong. Right. So, um, so there's these discussions around things like, um, maybe having children by multiple partners mm-hmm. that was seen as a bad thing in one community or, in one community in particular in one yes yes it's seen as like a bad thing but however like if you really look at a lot of people that i grew up with and that i knew like it wasn't really that uncommon to have two children by one man and then maybe that doesn't work out another dude is like oh okay she she, she hot what's up and then come on bring them kids let's go yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, and I feel like there aren't really enough studies being done on like we talk about black fatherhood and that kind of stuff, which is another misinformation that happened there, a mis like communication about like mis like like oh, I the know perception what, of what was yeah, yeah the perception exactly of what, what was said. happening with yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The perception of what was yeah. happening with black dads was yeah. that he doesn't live in the house, so that means he doesn't have a relationship with yeah, his children. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of thing that happened. Then they found out that black dads were yeah. even more even into, more, like, yeah, into, statistically yeah, yeah, even yeah, more in the kids' yeah. lives than any other. Yeah. Um, because the stigma is, and what people always attach themselves to, is the idea that, you know, um, the black community is full of just single-parent households dominated by women not understanding mm-hmm. that the father is in the picture. They may not be together, but he's still very much in the picture. Or mm-hmm. they are two parent households, but they're just not even talked about enough. Like you can go through all the census data and you'll find endless amounts of two parent households. In some cases, they they uh, they outnumber all the single parent households in these, quote unquote, um, poor neighborhoods. And, and there's that. Yes. And then there's also this piece of like to keep it really real like a lot of these women are not really single parents no. right they may not have a husband but yeah. they might got uncle this you know cousin that auntie this grandmama granddaddy that and so you always have this like if your mom's got a bad day or she's having a bad day unless you have the dad who's a single parent and he's having a bad day like that is not the end no. Of your experiences that day, you got somebody maybe upstairs that's like a play on who'll be like, "Come on, baby, come come hang out with me yeah. for a little bit." And then you got somebody else who's gonna roll through on the weekend, just check in. They might take you to the park. Like that's that's not a single parent. That's that's better than two parents. Yeah, you got four, five, six parents, it, and so like I don't see that highlighted. It is not like it. Growing up, my, yeah, uh, I lived on the first floor. My uncle and my uncle lived on the third with his wife. And my other uncle lived across the street. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so whenever, you had it. Yeah, so if my mom had to work late, I could either stay in the house, I can go upstairs. If I stayed in the in the house, my my aunt or my uncle would come down and check on me, or we go across the street, stay at my uncle's house, my other uncle's house for a little bit, you know, until my mom's come home from work or something. So, yeah, those those are things you don't really think about because those you know they just happen. So you don't uh-huh. you, know, you don't think about it. 
Yes, yes. And then we also don't think about how you can grow up in this two-parent household and be neglected. So let's say you have the dad that's living in the house, but he ain't home. Yeah. He either out, maybe maybe he either chooses to work a lot or after work, he do his own thing. And then he come home to sleep and then he get up and leave before you even wake up in the morning. Yeah. Or maybe he leave with you when you wake up in the morning. Maybe on the weekends, he out at the bar or he's, you know, um, golfing or whatever, doing whatever he want to do. But you really don't see him. Right. So in essence, you got a single parent household with child support. But it's more so on paper is what they talk about. And and, it, and again, there's so <laughs> many layers to the to the topic, but people always usually get locked into the little things like, you know, how mm-hmm. something sounds or how something looks versus what value it is involved in it and how it yes. actually serves to grow whoever. Cause even, even growing up, um, you know, and it was just my mom, I never felt like we didn't have support cause you literally, mm-hmm. the whole neighborhood supported one another, you know? So, um, but that was a different time yeah, nowadays. If, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Doc. Um, again, I want to have you back because okay. I want to dig deeper into this. Um, not just the sex research aspect, but just sexuality and dispelling myths and all that. Because a lot of people pass a lot of bogus ass information around, and it seems it, it seems to traditionally keep finding its way in the heads of the youth, right? And oh. I want I want your help to kind of. You know, let's dispel these myths and let's get this misinformation out the way and see if we can help people have a better understanding of not just what sex is, what it also isn't. And, you Mm. know, um, it isn't a bad thing to talk about. It isn't, you know, it isn't a a provocative conversation. It's something that we should talk as much as we talk about um, nutrition, you know, Mm because... At mm-hmm. at a at the basic level, we're just like animals, right? And that's just a part of knowing yourself. Man, that sounded shitty when it came out. <laughs> Most of us will have sex in our lifetimes. Absolutely. And no one wants to talk about it, mm. which is really strange. So, yeah. again, back to the music. I love that the music will talk about it. That's a space to talk about it. That's a space to... And I and and I don't think that that was an accident. I think that that was on purpose. Yeah. That was deliberate. And and I don't think that that should be anything again to be ashamed of or that well it's a bad thing. It's it's a part of life, like breathing and everything else. Okay. So yeah. Well, first and foremost, or thank you for the time, uh, or making (laughs) the time to be able to have this interview. Um, Do you have any parting words of wisdom for the people? Um, I would say don't just use the um, internet to find the answers to your questions. Always be very mindful of get some get some books. Go read some books about uh, human sexuality if you have questions and always be aware of the author. So when you look at the author, find out what their background, educational background is. Not just that they're a person that likes to talk about sex, but you know, what do they, what do they actually know? How are they trained? And um, if you want someone who is coming from your cultural uh, or religious perspective, find out more about that and be very um, uh, keen on supporting them and 
the information that they're putting out there because that may, you know, really hit home for you. All right. And where can they find you? Um, I just have a professional profile on LinkedIn. And so it's just, just my name. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll put that link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Once again, yes. Dr. Nakai, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. No problem. And we're out. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service.